as I was alluding to in my prayer, I, I know that we often come to church on autopilot, right? It's Sunday, it's on the calendar, it's part of my weekly routine to come here. But I know that at, at a deeper level, we come here because there's something we, we want or need or are hoping for from the Lord. And we, we hope that today is the day where he meets us at that point of hope or desire or need, whatever it is. We, we live with, with expectation, having saturated ourselves in the scriptures, we recognize who this God is. He is a God of generosity. He is a God who constantly speaks to his people. He is a God who intervenes in the lives of his people. He is a God who wants to bring change and life and peace and hope and joy. And yet we live our lives with, with somewhat of a disconnect between some of the things that we see and hear in scripture of who this God is and the ways that he acts and the hope that he has offered us and what's going on in my current life right now. I have an unanswered question. I have a longing. I have a need. I have, I, I'm living with a certain amount of disappointment because you say this and I have not yet seen it in my life, whatever it is. There's a disconnect and a missing link. link. The Galatian Christians were living with that disconnect. You say this is who you are, and yet I haven't seen it touched down in my life yet. And what they do is fall back on religion to help them try and get there. Do you remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago? Fall from grace is not a term that means falling into sin. Fall from grace, as it's used in Galatians, is a term that goes from falling from what Christ has done for you and living a life in the Spirit, falling from that into empty religious practices that he has already done away with. A fall from grace is a fall from a relationship of trust and living in the Spirit into empty Religion. Religion says, do this. I will feel better about myself if I check these religious boxes, etc., etc. If if we go that route, we will continue to feel that gap between the hope that he has offered us, the life that he has calling us to, all of the promises that he says are yes and amen in Christ through his spirit, then become null and void because we can't access them. The access to that life does not come through empty religion. And what the apostle Paul has to remind his people about once again in Galatians is don't go back down that road. Don't go back to the empty religious practices that God has already done away with. Go forward, go deeper into the life of the spirit. And he is going to make that point over and over and over again in our chapter using um, synonymous phrases that you are going to hear come up over and over and over again. So would you read with me Galatians 5, beginning at verse 16. His people are worried that they're not going to get the life that God wants if they don't keep the religious practices, if they don't keep the law. And Paul says, you don't need the law because he put his spirit in you instead. And if you have the spirit and follow the spirit, and that's the key, 
not simply having it, but then having him, but then following him, you will inevitably keep the law. Live by the spirit or walk by the spirit, depending on your translation, I say, verse 16, live or walk by the spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. What he means by the flesh is simply your own inclinations, the the stuff that's going on in you apart from who Christ is. Don't go your own way. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh for these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led, led by the spirit, not if you have the spirit, if you are led by the spirit, then you're not subject to the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But by contrast, the fruit of being led by the Spirit The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us... In other words, this is an encouragement, a command. It doesn't happen automatically. You need to participate in it. Let us... Be guided by the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, competing with one another and envying one another. If you live by the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Well done. Good religious practice right there. Well done. How? How are we going to be led by the Spirit. Just just think about that concept for a minute. How will you be led by someone you cannot see? Sheep are led by a shepherd, but they can see the shepherd. How are you led by someone you cannot see? And you can't tell me it's scripture because the argument of Galatians is don't go back to simply the religious scriptural practices. You have to go forward. And what goes forward with the spirit will conform to what scripture says. That's the argument of Galatians. How are we going to be led by the spirit? I found some really good theology in a children's song I'm going to play for you. No kidding. Really good theology. Um, Lionel, would you play that for us, please? He's going to try. Sounds good. You got to sing when the Spirit says sing. You got to sing when the Spirit says sing. When the Spirit says sing, you gotta sing right along. Sing when the Spirit says sing. You gotta clap when the Spirit says clap. You gotta clap when the Spirit says clap. 
When the spirit says clap, you gotta clap right along. Clap when the spirit says clap. You gotta hum when the spirit says hum. Mm -hmm. When the spirit says hum, you gotta hum right along. You gotta snap when the spirit says snap. You gotta snap when the spirit says snap. When the spirit says snap, you gotta snap right along. Snap when the spirit says snap. You gotta swim when the spirit says swim. You gotta swim when the spirit says swim. When the spirit says swim, you gotta swim right along. Swim when the spirit says swim. You gotta stomp when the spirit says stomp. You gotta stomp when the spirit says stomp. When the spirit says stomp, you gotta stomp right along. Stomp when the spirit says stomp. Whoa! You gotta hush when the spirit says hush. You gotta hush when the spirit says hush. When the spirit says hush, you gotta hush right along. Hush when the spirit says hush. You gotta sing when the spirit says sing. You gotta sing when the spirit says sing. When the spirit says sing, you gotta sing right along. Sing when the spirit says sing. Hey, when the spirit says sing, you gotta sing right along. Sing when the spirit says sing. Yeah, you gotta sing when the spirit says sing. Oh, you gotta sing when the spirit says sing. And you gotta stop when the spirit. Thank you, Lionel. Thank you, Rafi. Takes me back to my childhood. And now my children's childhood. You can tell what stage of life I'm at. Um, that's Rafi. And what's it called? You Gotta Sing. That's the song, I believe it's called. The title of the song, Excellent Theology. How do you follow someone you can't see? The answer is you follow someone you can hear. How do you follow a spirit you cannot see? The answer is you follow a spirit you can hear. My sheep hear my voice. If we are to be a people led by the spirit, we are going to be sheep who follow the voice of the shepherd. Now, I know that we have spoken about this many times in the last year, and I know that for some of you, this has been a source of um, frustration because you've tried and gave up. I, I can't... Yeah, yeah, I hear you, Ben, that, that that stuff's happening for some people here. Some of you guys can hear, but it's not working for me. It's for you too. For, for the person who resonates with that statement, that it hasn't worked for me yet, it's still for you. My sheep hear my voice. If you are a sheep, if you follow Jesus, you have access to his voice. Um, in fact, let me just go to that passage. That's John chapter 10. And Jesus says it a number of times. But let me just remind you of, of how he puts it in a different way. John chapter 10, verse 4. 
um, speaking of the sheep, when, when he has brought out all of his own sheep, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. How are we going to be led by the spirit? How are we going to follow the shepherd? There has to be an ongoing sound that the shepherd is making, an ongoing speech that's happening, an ongoing communication between the sheep and the shepherd. Otherwise, that verse doesn't make sense. It's one thing to hear God's voice and say, yep, now I follow Jesus. But the following of Jesus day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, still involves the same process of hearing the shepherd's voice, at least according to John chapter 10, verse four. Now, I know that some people have said, you know, I, man, like, I, I wish that was for me, but I, you know what, I'm not a prophet. I just, I don't, I don't hear God the way that you guys hear God. Um, let me encourage you to keep going because it's God's promise to you that you do hear him, but it's learning to recognize that takes time. So let me just speak peace over you if you have felt frustration or anxiety around this as you have felt like, I wish I had more of God. I wish I had that connection, but I just don't. You do. Do you remember what Megan said here this morning? That when, when the lies came her way, what she needed was at that moment to declare the truth. At that moment, we declare the truth. So as the lies come your way and you, you hear, that's for other people, that's not for me. Some people hear God really well, but I just, I can't. That is a lie. And I know that's a lie because scripture says something different. Okay? So when we hear lies, we respond with truth. Acts chapter 2. In the last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. Every person from this event on has equal access to the voice of God. Every single person, young, old, male, female, high status, no status, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. As of this event, the Pentecost, every single person has equal access to the voice of God. So we no longer say, even to ourselves, I can't hear God. You can and you do. What we need to do is learn to recognize the different ways that he speaks. And let me once again, speak peace over you. That takes time. It takes time, but you'll, you won't make the effort to learn. Someone once spoke over me and said, it's not that you don't hear Ben, it's that you just need to find your frequency. You just have to find the ways that God is speaking to you and they're different than the ways he speaks to me. And that, that brought life and hope to me. May I speak the same things over you too. We hold up our scriptures. I was brought up Baptist. 
I have Baptist in my, I was in a Baptist nursery the day after I was born. <laughs> like the first Sunday after I'm in a Baptist nursery. So I grew up with the scriptures that I have scripture in, I have deep, deep convictions around scripture. And when I, when I hear a lie, I go, what does scripture say? Because that's, that's the truth that I have to hold. And scripture says every person from this event on has access to, to the voice of God. May you receive that. You are worthy of God to speak to you. He has decided to speak to you. He has decided not only do you have access to it, but he is speaking to you. My sheep hear my voice. You are worthy. So we rebuke feelings and lies of unworthiness. Be gone in Jesus' name. We stand on the truth of what God says. We're Baptists. We go back to the Bible and here's what the Bible says. My sheep hear my voice. And as of Acts 2, so do you. How does God speak? What does his voice sound like? Let me just remind you that when I say voice, I mean a whole bunch of different things. Voice is a really short word that captures a lot of different ways that God speaks. Um, often even in scripture, it'll say that God spoke and what he gave a person would be a picture. Um, or in, in an, uh, the case of Ananias, Acts 9, I was reading this week, uh, God, it, scripture says that God came to Ananias in a vision and then it doesn't describe anything that Ananias saw. It only describes what he heard. Um, so voice is just a sort of a catch-all term for all of the different ways God speaks. He speaks through scripture. Of course, we're Baptists, right? And often he will remind you of scriptures that you have heard before. That's one of the ways God speaks. He also speaks through just words. And sometimes it's something you hear in your head. Sometimes it's almost like what I call the impression of a word. It's just like, hmm. This word is there. Don't know how I heard it exactly, but it's still a word that's there. Sometimes it's a picture. God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he says, I see a, I see a boiling pot. I, I see an almond branch. Uh, God gives Jeremiah a picture. Whether he saw that with his, his physical eyes or whether he, it was a picture in his head, I don't know. Why does it have to be one or the other? Sometimes he speaks through impressions. Again, let's go back to scripture. Do you see any impressions in scripture? How about Acts? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Do you ever have impressions? God speaks through impressions. Is every impression you have from God? No. But how are we? We have to learn to then discern and test those things. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But he speaks through impressions. 
And maybe you're, you're someone whose frequency isn't words. Maybe your frequency with God is pictures, or maybe your frequency is this impression or this gut feeling. He says to Jeremiah again, Jeremiah says, I have a burning in my bones and woe to me if I do not speak it out. And what he then offers is a prophecy. In other words, God dropped something that he wanted Jeremiah to communicate. Jeremiah hears something, but the way he hears it is in the form of an emotion going on in his body. And he finds words to put to the emotion and give something from the Lord. But he heard it physically, emotionally. Maybe you're one of those really sort of sensitive people and you're like, God, God's speaking to me through my emotions and I have to find a way now to articulate it. But that's still God speaking. Thoughts. Sometimes it's just random thoughts. What appear to us to be random thoughts. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, you have the mind of Christ. Should we not expect that his thoughts at times will overlap with ours? In other words, that he will communicate to you by way of the mind he has put in you that he shares. Is every thought in your head from God? Of course not. Uh, is every thought in your head never from God? Absolutely not. We have to learn to filter. We have to learn to discern. But before we can do that, we have to learn to be willing to say, God might be speaking to me this way. Recognition comes after we first said, here are the ways that God speaks. Words, pictures, impressions, emotions, thoughts that pop into your head that were not previously there. I can't connect the dots, but in the thought process going on in my head, this one is one that appears to have come from out of nowhere. Is this perhaps from God? What about this one in scripture? I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone, what's the next word? Hears my voice. What was his voice? I stand at the door and what on earth is that? I don't know exactly, but he called it his voice as there was some sort of knocking on the heart. God speaks in a variety of different ways. Let us be open to them, learning to recognize them. So that, and then what we do is we take them and we test them. I'll talk about testing in just a minute. This is Ellie DeAndrade's testimony from last week. Some of you are here, some of you are not. Ellie was baptized last week. I'm going to read a, a good portion of it because it's profound and it is exactly what we are talking about. You want to be led by the Spirit? You want to hear His voice? Listen to this. Ellie says, as I grew older, so although she says I had become uh, a believer at a very young age and followed Jesus and trusted Him, Yes, sorry, I'm quoting you right now. Star of the show just walked in. Um, she said, although I became a believer at a very young age, God kind of faded into the background of my life. He was there, but like a shadow. And then I remember uh, Kate got baptized. 
And after Kate was baptized, I started feeling these nudges. That's God's voice. It comes in the form of an, a nudge, an impression. And I started hearing faint whispers from Jesus. Slowly they got louder and I started to see Jesus' presence when I played violin. And I, I started to see that God was doing things. He was moving here. There were miracles and events. Marcus started hearing from God. People in the church were being healed. Noah Cadu shared his testimony of a mission trip. Through all of this, through all of those different events. In other words, God was speaking to Ellie through what he had been doing in other people. There's yet another form of God's voice. Through all of those different events, God was speaking to me, trying to get my attention. Now she says, God really caught my attention when the pastor gave a sermon about baptism and was telling us it was both a wedding and a funeral, and that in order to accept new life, we had to get rid of an old one. That if we wanted to show we were committed to Jesus, then we needed to show that, and that really connected with me. I know God was speaking to me. These are still her words. In fact, I heard, I felt, I saw, I sensed, a command that I needed to get baptized. How does God speak? Scripture, words, pictures, impressions, feelings, thoughts. I, I heard, I felt, I, I saw, I sensed a command that I needed to get baptized. Commit my life to him. Well, mom and dad were happy to hear what I heard Jesus say. And when I talked to the pastor and texted him, he said, awesome. And they were overjoyed, but I was asked by both my parents and the pastor to keep listening as well. And after that Sunday, I listened and I heard and I saw water. When we were doing family devotions, we would practice listening prayer. And during listening prayer, I would often see ocean waves, rivers churning, rain pattering, waterfalls, creeks trickling through the woods, it all connected to how Jesus was speaking to me about getting baptized. And she was baptized last week. How are we going to be people who are led by someone we can't see? We learn to hear the one who is speaking. This is someone who's learning to hear what God is speaking. And it's an invitation to us. If I can do it, you can do it. If Ellie can do it, you can do it. Now, I talked about, I mentioned this a moment ago, we don't baptize everything that comes through our minds. Right? We don't baptize every emotion or feeling as though this is automatically from God. We take it and we weigh it against scripture. Does this conform to the God I see in scripture? Are there examples of this in scripture? What does scripture say related to this? We test it. We take it to other godly people and say, you know, what, I think I heard this from the Lord. What do you think? God will confirm 
what he has said. He'll confirm it in scripture. He'll confirm it with other people. You test it, you weigh it. And that's how we come to the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. That's the point of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. It's not like God threw some random list of good qualities at the end of this book that doesn't mean anything. It's connected to the entire message. If we're going to be people who are led by the spirit, we'll know we are led by the spirit when what we hear and live from that leading leads to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's just a list of examples of what a life of being led by the Spirit looks like. It also looks like being baptized. It's just a list of examples. It's not the only things that prove this is what the Spirit is saying and doing, but it's a helpful summary. That's why it's there. Does what you and I are hearing Is it going to produce a life that looks like love? Is it going to produce goodness? If we follow what we are hearing right now, the impression we are feeling, is it going to result in a life of goodness and faithfulness? Is it going to reflect self-control? Is it going to reflect something that blesses other people? Because this is all about blessing other people. Connecting with God following his leading will lead us to blessing other people. And I'll I'll get to that in just a moment. Let's practice. Would you close your eyes, please? Indulge me. Put your hands out in front of you on your lap. Open them as though you are receiving a gift that is coming down right into your lap right now. This may sound weird, but you know, God works through participation. And when there's no participation, uh, if there had been no participation, there would have been no Red Sea crossing. God didn't simply part the sea. He told Moses to go up and do what you're doing now. Instead of opening his hands, what he had to do was hold a staff up. Did his staff do anything? Not exactly. But God said, in order for me to do this, what I first want to do is make sure you do that. So would you open your hands as a way of saying, Lord, I am here to receive new recognition of your voice. That's what that act is. Lord, I pray a blessing over my friends here, over each of us. Would you increase in us the recognition of your voice because we take you at your word that we are to be people led by a spirit we cannot see, but we can hear. We we take you at your word at John 10, at Acts 2, at Hebrews 12, and and more. Lord, we, we take you at your word. But Lord, we also admit that we just sometimes struggle with recognition. And some of us haven't yet found our frequency. And all of us would like a, a broader band. <laughs> I can go that, that way. Lord, we, we want to be people who hear all of the different ways that you are speaking to us. So Lord, would you open us up to that? Train us, Lord.
Now, with your eyes closed and your hands open, I want you to ask God a question. If you haven't yet got a question, ask him, how can I bless you this week, Lord? I want to encourage you as you you sit there with your eyes closed and you're listening not to interrupt God by saying, is that you, God? Receive it. Even write it down. What might be him. And test and weigh it in a little bit just so that you don't interrupt the flow of conversation. Amen. Does anyone want to take a risk and say, here's what I experienced, or here's what I think I might have possibly heard? Does anyone want to do that? Why would we bother doing this? Why would we bother learning to listen? My friends, if, if this is what we get as of Acts 2, and, and as we have been working through Galatians, the word that has come out over and over and over again in Galatians is inheritance. Jesus died that you might have an inheritance. This is part of that inheritance. It is yours by right. 
it, it, it's yours. So as we, as we sit with our open hands and we claim our scriptures and we say, Lord, teach me to recognize it's already a gift he's given. We're simply claiming something that is our inheritance precisely because Jesus died. That, that the trajectory of, of scripture was such that there were special people who got to hear God for a little while until Jesus came. And when Jesus comes, the veil is torn. He returns to heaven. He sends the spirit in order that all people going forward might have the spirit and be those special people to the world. That there would no longer be a distinction among God's people about people who could um, there would no longer be a distinction among God's people between people who could hear God and people who could not. Everyone gets to. It's your inheritance. Claim your inheritance. And this is for the sake of God. You know, we talked at the beginning about we come here with longings. We, we, we come here, I know, I know that we come here Sunday by Sunday and we have, we have these deep, deep longings to meet God uh, at, a, at a level we have not yet met God. We have these deep longings in, that he might resolve or speak into something in our lives, to hear him and his perspective on what it is that we're going through. Whether we are or whether it's for someone else, this is the connection point between the longing that we have and what scripture says about who God is and how he wants to move in our lives. We are to be people who become led by the spirit in all of those areas. And it's, so it's both for our connection with God, but it's also for our connection with the world. Um, some of you come and the deep longings of your heart aren't so much, yeah, we're quite happy to connect with God, that's good, but you burn with passion for a world in need, a world that does not yet know Jesus, to see justice come, to see people meet Jesus where they have not yet met him, to see lives healed and restored. This is for that too. Let me speak to those deep longings for you. Um, an example, there's a, a guy who, who frequents our property here, uses our Wi-Fi, sits on the, the, the stoop at the back regularly. And so I, I run into him regularly. I've learned his name, a little bit about him. And, and one, one day I'm just, you know, I'm walking to my car and I, I see him there and I stop and I just chat for a little bit. And I say, you know what? I'm not gonna use his name here, um, but you, you know what? I, what I'm hearing from the Lord right now is that he really likes you. And he's sort of taken aback by that because as much as he will frequent a church property, he has not yet darkened a door because there's certain blockages within him about this is a, yeah, this is not actually a God who likes me. And suddenly you speak something like that into someone's life and it comes from the, the, a guy in a position of authority in a church and it means something because suddenly walls come down. God likes me. And I can promise you that is still ringing in his ears. 
Chantelle's teaching over at Normando School. I don't remember all the ins and outs of this story, so it's somewhat vague, but um, she was telling me about how there was this one moment of conflict between her and some students, and one student in particular in a classroom, and she suddenly gets this, she doesn't often get so much words as the voice comes in a different way. It, it, it's impressions, it's gut feelings, it's pictures, but what comes is this sense from God that, there's more going on here than the surface level conflict at the moment. Take a different approach. And she takes a different approach and takes the student aside and just starts speaking and pouring love where love was needed. But what had presented was not exactly a need for love. What had presented was poor behavior and conflict between student and teacher. This is about learning to follow the voice of God. Um, Pete Greg, I think is how you pronounce the last name, in his book on prayer, How to Pray, Simple Guide for Normal People, has a chapter on learning to listen to God. He says, a number of years ago, some dear friends of ours welcomed a two-month-old baby into their home in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They noticed almost immediately that Anthony didn't cry, that he had a flat spot on the side of his head where he'd been left sitting in his carrier unattended for long periods of time. Another worry was that Anthony's birth mother, Rhonda, had disappeared without completing all of the necessary paperwork to surrender her parental rights. Without this, the adoptive parents, Roger and Donna, couldn't adopt this little boy who had quickly become part of their family. In fact, he could still be taken away from them at any time. They learned that Rhonda had left for Oklahoma City, 100 miles southwest, without leaving a forwarding address. Not knowing what else to do, Roger printed a handful of flyers and drove off to Oklahoma City hoping and praying that he could somehow find this one transient woman lost in the middle of one of America's biggest cities among its 1.4 million residents. He knew it was crazy. It was a needle in a haystack, but they were running out of options and the child's well-being and entire destiny depended on finding Rhonda before it was too late. Roger says he entered the city that day asking the Lord to guide him, left or right, at every junction, every light, every street corner. Proceeding in this tenuous way, he happened on a little white mission church in a dilapidated part of town, surrounded by vacant lots. It was Sunday morning and a service had clearly just ended because people were milling around outside waiting for a hot meal. Roger parked his car and strolled apprehensively over to one of the cooks outside the church. She looked at his flyer and shrugged and suggested he talk to the pastor. Roger still laughs in amazement when he recalls what happened next. The pastor, so this is quoting Roger, the pastor looked at the picture, paused for a moment, and said words I could hardly believe. Yes, he recognized Rhonda. He knew her name. He even knew where she was living. A sense of overwhelming relief swept over me of all the districts, streets, churches, houses, and people in this vast sp 
sprawling city, somehow I'd been led straight to the right man at the right address in the right neighborhood at the exact right time, just as the church was emptying. It had taken me less than 30 minutes to find Rhonda in a city that is America's second largest by total area. Within an hour of meeting the pastor, Rhonda had signed the necessary paperwork, and within a few weeks, Anthony was officially our son. I like this line. It was one of the greatest miracles I've ever been a part of. I would like to know this guy more if that was one of. It was one of the greatest miracles I've ever been a part of, and Anthony is a deeply loved member of our family and our church community ever since. Do you think it's worth learning to be led by the Spirit? To hear His voice? To follow Him? It makes a difference. It's not simply for our one-on-one -on -one connection with God. It's for the sake of the world. It's for the sake of the world. It's for the sake of the people you love most. Learn to hear and recognize the voice of God for the people you love most. Let's do it one more time. Close your eyes. Open your hands. And ask the Lord, how do you want me to be faithful with this teaching this morning? Lord Jesus, I take you at your word. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I come in for a closer relationship and a better time than they've yet had. There's friendship, there's life. And Lord, I claim, I claim the very context of those verses where you have the harshest words for the worst church that you spoke to, the most apathetic and disobedient you say in those verses, you don't even realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
And yet you have the best promises for the worst people. I claim that for myself. I claim that for my friends here, that whatever our week has been, it is not a determining factor in whether or not you will speak to and meet with me, meet with us. So Lord, would you show us how to be faithful in pursuing a recognition of your voice in order that we may be people led by the spirit in order that we may have a life which is characterized by the fruit of the spirit so that the Anthony's are touched so that the Ellie's are multiplied so that the stories shared here this morning become so common. It just becomes another part of the conversation we have Sunday by Sunday Sunday is here's what the Lord's doing in my life. Here's how it's confirmed in scripture. Here's what he's been saying to me. And look at the fruit, changed lives. Because when the Spirit says sing, we sing right along. May we be those kind of people, Lord. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth through Jesus. Confirm it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now, otherwise I bless you to go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And may he seal what he has done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Have a great week.